This is Shop Talk Radio, episode 73, with spoken word poet in Q. Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and on this show, we bring you inspiring guests to dive underneath the hood of the creative entrepreneur lifestyle to take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Shop Talk Radio. I'm excited about this episode because I get to bring to you the uber-talented Mr. NQ, a spoken word poet. And it's been amazing to see his growth over the last few years. And if you haven't seen him, check out his videos and performances online or go see him in person. He is absolutely incredible. He's performed at Cirque du Soleil. He's performed on Russell Simmons' HBO Deaf Poetry Jam. He's even performed for the president. Along with performing his spoken word poetry, he's also a songwriter and has written songs with Miley Cyrus, Aloe Black, Mike Posner, and Selena Gomez. What I love about NQ's poetry is that he writes about the human experience and getting people to ask questions about themselves, their environment, and the world at large. We get into so many subjects about art and commerce and how do you make a living as a spoken word poet. We talk about what his writing process is and why he encourages people to express themselves. We also get to know what a day in the life of a spoken word poet such as NQ is and many, many more things. So with that, I bring to you the one, the only, Mr. NQ. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Shop Talk Radio. Today's amazing guest, the one and only, Mr. NQ, an amazing spoken word poet. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming. I'm so stoked to have you on. I love your work. I've seen you perform a handful of times. I've heard, I've watched videos and love it. You've, you're talented, my friend. Thank you, man. Ditto. Thank you. Yeah. So I, let's just jump in and kind of like, it's so, I mean, spoken word and making a living as a, as, as a poet is very rare, first of all, mm-hmm. but let's talk about, let's kind of start from the origins, the beginnings, where are you from and what was your journey to find this passion? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm from Santa Monica and, uh, I was born and raised there and was always really, really a big fan of hip hop Mm. and I loved it. And that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life and, uh, focused all of my energy on, on that and was really completely obsessed. And, uh, and when I was 19, I wound up at an open mic, uh, for poetry and I started doing my rapping acapella Mm. and, uh, over the years, one day I woke up and just realized I was more of a poet than an MC. And then I had to figure out how the fuck I was going to make any money. <laughs> um, so I ended up getting a publishing deal with a record company, uh, Rock Mafia, mm. and I started doing songwriting. And then that became really successful. And I would say that most people, because poetry doesn't yet have the market that it will have in the next few years, mm. um, they use their talents from poetry to get into another genre. And... I used my talents from poetry to get into another genre. And then I very consciously used that other genre to get back into poetry. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. So you, you started out songwriting. Yeah. And you've written, you've written songs for some big artists, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how did that, how did you kind of jump into that world? Cause that's, that's a whole different world in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, it was all through rock mafia who is like a second family to me. Okay. Uh, they're one of the best production teams in the world. And uh, they mostly do pop music. And originally that was very foreign because I don't listen to pop music. Uh, So it was like a transition. And also coming from hip hop, it was kind of like against my religion almost because Mm -hmm. hip hop was like such a part of who I was. Um, But at the time I needed to uh, buy dinner. <laughs> so I was basically like open to anything and then ultimately it ended up being one of the best things that happened to me creatively because not only did finances start to come in but I was forced to think outside of the box of what I normally would do mm. when I was doing my own rapping and my own poetry and then when I went back to my own style I had more tools to use. Interesting. Um so yeah, it was really helpful. So the songwriting fueled your own creative 
poetry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. What would be an example of how the songwriting influenced your poetry, your, your personal work? Well, it's like the more you stretch as an artist, mm -hmm. um, the more space you have to uh, have new creative ideas to come into your, your uh, platforms, you know? So like, um, yeah, I co-wrote stuff for Selena Gomez and uh, a lot of stuff for Disney and Miley Cyrus and Aloe Black. And um, yeah, it just kind of stretched my creative horizons. Amazing. And, uh, and it made me a more mature artist, I would say. Wow. That's awesome. So now is that something that, are you still writing songs for other people today or have you kind of moved more into the performing world of poetry? No, I mean, I'm, I'm still writing songs. I mean, I wrote, co-wrote, uh, two songs on the new Selena Gomez record. Um, and so that's pretty cool. And, and she actually like is doing some poetry that I helped write. So, Amazing. um, that was exciting. And then, uh, we did this project with Disney recently where like I basically took uh, fairy tales that um, three little pigs or like uh, the ugly duckling or tortoise in the hair. And I reimagined them in like a minute and a half uh, hip hop poetry songs. Yeah. Uh, and then they cut up the old animation to it. And they started releasing them as interstitials on Disney Junior programming. So I have like so cool. nine uh, very bizarre, like uh, very cool uh, children's music videos for yeah. poetry and hip hop that are kind of like circling around right now. So we just finished that project and I'm sure there'll be a lot, you know, coming down the pipe as well. That's amazing. Are those are, you can check those out online, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. We'll link those up in the show notes, but that's awesome. So now your, your personal work is very thought provoking and deep. And where, where did that journey, you know, start from for you? Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of artists, you know, you have like the kind of more fluffy stuff, but you mm -hmm. know, you're, you're, I mean, that's who you are as a mm -hmm. person, first of all, but where did that journey start for you? Well, I've always had something to say, you know, mm -hmm. I always have like observed my life. I mean, I'm like somebody that lives and then observes simultaneously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so I think that poetry became my largest outlet for that. Mm. Um, and I find as long as I am paying attention to my life, um, and I'm seeing what resonates with me, mm -hmm. uh, and I take the time to write it down, then the rest of the poem kind of writes itself. Oh, so what now have you always been an interest, introspective person, even from a kid? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, what, did, what was it, what was it like? I guess, how did your parents bring you up in that sense? Uh, well, my mom's a school teacher, uh, and she's a, a very inquisitive person as well and very thoughtful and, uh, always kind of asked me questions, uh, not only about like my day and how I felt, but about what I thought of things. Mm. Um, and so I would say that that certainly probably like pushed me in that direction of being more inquisitive in my own life. Uh, my dad was not around. I would say that that probably did just as much to make me inquisitive mm -hmm. because, uh, yeah, when you have a sense of being different in that way, I think you start to view your own life mm. and, and ask questions about, you know, who you are and, um, and what this thing is all about. Yeah. What, what's the biggest thing you've questioned throughout your, your life? I mean, it's all, you know, <laughs> I question if we exist, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I often am like, is this real? <laughs> like, I feel like life is an illusion. You know, that's why I love the Matrix movie so much. Because mm. the Matrix movie to me is like a metaphor. Um, and, you know, we're all Neo. There's that great scene where he like goes to visit the Oracle. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like going to visit the Oracle and he's, with all the other potentials in the waiting room and uh, the kid is bending the spoon with his mind, mm -hmm. you know, and Neo walks up to him and, and the kid goes, do not try to bend the spoon. That is impossible. Only realize the truth. And Neo's like, what's the truth? And he goes, there is no spoon. <laughs> then you will realize it is not the spoon that you are bending. It's only yourself. 
Mm. That's some deep shit, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that we exist. I think this thing is an illusion. I think when you learn how to speak the language of the universe, you can create what you want to create. Mm. What do you think that language is? I think it's energetic. Um, I think that the things that we think in our minds end up manifesting in reality. Mm. I don't know if that has to do with what we pay attention to or our perception of life or both mm -hmm. or some things that I don't know about yet. But uh, yeah, I definitely think that you can create your reality. I also don't understand circumstances. I don't understand why people are, you know, find themselves in certain circumstances that they have to overcome. But I would say any of the difficult things that have happened to me in my life have ultimately enriched my life experience mm. uh, based on how I've handled them with various degrees of success and failure along the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't choose our circumstances, but we can choose what we do with them. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people that have climbed out of circumstances that other people would fall victim to. Absolutely. Yeah. What mindsets have you had to get through like certain circumstances or hard times? Um, well, really like my art has always been like the biggest outlet mm. for me because it's allowed me to have a place to put all of those emotions and thoughts. And then, you know, I can stand on stage and I can share them with other people and in them connecting to them, uh, I feel less alone as well. Mm. Um, so I would say that that's been a big, a big thing for me. And that's why everywhere I go and, you know, any show that I'm doing, I'm not only like, you know, promoting my art, I'm promoting art in general. Like I want people to realize that they're all poets and they're all storytellers. Mm. Um, and I want them to express themselves through any art that inspires them. Cause I think that's the most important thing right now is, is people expressing themselves because when they express themselves, it creates empathy in the world. And that's what the world needs more mm. than anything else is, is empathy and us realizing that we're all in a global experience together yeah. and that our lives are a part of uh, evolution. Mm. more than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what's the vision of your art? Like what change do you want to make in the world? I just want to inspire and entertain and challenge people to, mm. to think deeper, to look at their environment, to look at them themselves, to not accept things because other people have told them they are the way that they are. Mm. You know, I mean, it's culture, it's the media, it's our parents, it's religion, you know, it's politics. Um, and everybody's just supposed to accept it the way that they explain it. Yeah. And it's bullshit, man. You know, there, there are no rules. There are infinite possibilities in, mm. in every moment. Uh, there are no boundaries. And uh, once you realize that, you don't uh, necessarily fall victim to doing what you're supposed to do. You can find what you're passionate about and, and live your own legend. Yeah, absolutely. So making a living with your art is, that's a whole nother ball game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you have the idea of expressing yourself. And then, you know, I think a lot of people listening here are people that want to make a living with their art. You know, what, what was your journey to, from doing your own art to actually starting to make money? You know, you're talking about trying to pay the bills yeah. <laughs> and trying to eat. And then, you know, you graduate you start making more for what you're doing and eventually you're getting paid to do what you love. But what was your, what was your journey from that point from when you started till, you know, making money? Yeah. I mean, I went to uh, San Fran state for like a second <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, I want to just pursue art full time. So I came back to LA and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fucking long ordeal, man. You yeah. Know? It really was not only to, make money, but to find my voice. Mm. Uh, and yeah, in terms of the, the monetary side of things, like, yeah, I had like interim period jobs for a long time. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think I made more than 19 grand a year, <laughs> if, if that for like 10 years, man. Wow. I mean, really like, you know, and I had no, no issue like going out and doing things. Cause I had a good crew of friends and stuff yeah. like that. And 
I didn't have an issue dating, you know, because I was like performing and I was just like, I'm, I'm that dude. I'm that fucking artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like at a certain point you're like, this fucking sucks, you know, like it's hard. And so, um, yeah, I remember like the first year I made like 35 grand, like from the songwriting. Mm. I just thought, like, I was like, dude, this is the biggest thing I could like <laughs> fucking, I could literally like go to the movies and pay for dinner and not have to like worry about things. So that was like, that was a real, <laughs> that was a real success for me. And I, I, yeah, it was a, yeah. it was a wonderful moment. I look back on that with, with really fond memories and I'm very grateful to, to have been able to like sidestep into a different creative art form that was mm. able to spark like some monetary success for me. And then I was able to build on that. Mm. And um, yeah, every year it's been getting better and better. So every year, what was the biggest fear you had going you know, through that, that process? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the biggest fear would be that you, you don't become successful and, mm. um, yeah. And I definitely had many, many conversations with myself along those lines. Like, am I doing the right thing? Like, should I give up? Like, mm. you know, but all of those things ended up fueling my art as well mm. you know so it was like a a circle um and ultimately i'm really grateful for it all absolutely absolutely so now what is what is like a i would say a day in the life but like i would probably say more like somebody like you what's like a week in the life of inq oh man it changes so much it's really really difficult to um to put an example you, like a, you know like you're in new york this week and every day is different right yeah. Yeah. Every day is different. Like what, um, what would you be doing on a day to day basis? I know it sounds like so weird to get specific about it, but like it's, it paints a picture. Okay. Well today we're, we're meeting with you. We're doing the podcast. We're going to go out and we're going to do some photography afterwards, which yeah. would be great. And then we're meeting with an agency and then, uh, and then tonight we're doing a, a show workshop in Manhattan mm. where uh, people will like come and I'll do like a half an hour of performance and then I'm actually going to get people writing. So, uh, I'll like come up with a prompt mm. and then, you know, give them a half an hour to write on it. And then everyone else will get an opportunity to get up and share their own poem and, uh, own their story, mm. you know, and be vulnerable from a place of strength. And it's like a very supportive environment. Um, and ultimately a really inspiring environment. So that's like today. Um, and every day is very different. Like we're traveling constantly. I was out of town 25 days in October. Jeez. Um, and we did, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how many, like, so traveling 20, 25 days, how many days that is performing? I don't know. I mean, I, I'd have to look back at the calendar. I'll tell you one thing. Time is very interesting. Like uh, with the amount of stuff that we're doing and the amount of different places that we visit and the different climates and like literally like the time zones. And then when you're traveling, you get new stimulus all of the time. Mm. So uh, how you like process that data is different and time changes because of that. Mm. So like, you know, something that happened three days ago literally feels like three months ago sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, from the time that we got into New York uh, you know, uh, we had done a show the morning of, then hopped on a plane, then, um, came to New York and got in really late. I think like 1am or something and then fell asleep and then had a show early in the morning the next day and a whole conference yeah. that was that day. And then, uh, the next day woke up early morning again and did Daybreaker, um, which nice. is like a, morning uh dance party rave uh here in new york and they have them in la and all over um and then performed later on that night as well did like a full show that friday night so that was oh. four shows in three days Jeez. and it just kind of kind of depends upon the situation and and where we are and yeah yeah is it funny so i was i got in this conversation with somebody about bending time yeah or the concept of time and if it like what do you, I love to hear our thoughts on this, but so if the idea of doing so much more in your life, especially now, and we get to choose what we want. So if, if we're packing more into a smaller amount of time, 
that speed that speeds time yeah speeds for sure. time up yeah and it's it's almost you're you're almost shifting and bending time it also has to do with touch points so it's the mm-hmm. amount of communication you're having per day through technology mm-hmm. so um you know a lot of people feel like uh these technological touch points they're like less substantial so they're like oh they're meaningless mm-hmm. but no actually you're still connecting with people in a different way um there's downsides to that of course but it also speeds time up in the Mm -hmm. same way like where you're like having so many more connections yeah um yeah so i think that's a part of it as well yeah you can grow it feels like you can almost grow faster by experiencing more in a shorter amount of time yeah i feel like every day is a lifetime Mm. no bullshit man i feel like (laughs) there's so much to be done in a day and i don't always take advantage of it the way that I could, but mostly I am. And I I think I'm, I'm getting better and better and I give myself a lot more room to grow too. But you know, uh, if the purpose of life is, is evolution and that's what I want to focus on. And actually I think my art is, is just a vehicle for that. Mm. You know, it's, it's not my main purpose, you know? So uh, I just want to be a better person and continuously like strive to to grow. Absolutely. I love that. So what would you feel your purpose is? Well, I mean, the the base purpose is I want to break poetry into popular culture. Mm. But I would say that that's actually like not the purpose. Like I said, I, I think that that's like a vehicle for what I want to do, which is to uh, helped, ha- help helped. I want to help. I want to help. <laughs> no, but really, like I want, I want to help shift human consciousness, <laughs> and by starting with my own, you know, like yeah, and then just mirroring that back onto people, absolutely, in whatever ways I can. How does one take? How does? How do you make? How do you make po- poetry pop culture? Like, how do you make anything pop culture? What, mm. What's that tipping point? I think you have to have a few things that like break into the zeitgeist of like just like the cultural awareness. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, you can do that through videos and stuff like that these days. Yeah. So we're starting to create content. I really never paid attention to my branding or anything like that. I, you know, it wasn't what interested me. What mm-hmm. interested me was creation. Yeah. I mean, honestly, even sharing the creation didn't interest me as much for a long time. It was just mm. the act of creation. Yeah. And uh, I hired somebody for branding like a few years back. And um, I remember like one of the questions that they asked me, were, they were like, well, why are you doing this? Mm. And I didn't have an answer. Interesting. And it's because I had just been completely obsessed and I was just writing because I had this thing. Mm that I was trying to like, you know, express. Yeah. And uh, so it was important for me to start to think about, well, why am I doing this? You know, what is this about? Um, And now that I know that, you know, it makes all of my decision-making that much more easy because Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like I have a compass, you know? Yeah. What is your why? I think, like I said, it's to entertain and inspire and challenge my audience, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's interesting to, I guess the whole sense that the, the idea of creating for validation versus Mm -hmm. creating for yourself. Totally. And I, I think, I think that's a topic that, especially as creative entrepreneurs, people, you have that, that crossroads of money versus art and like where do you internally distinctify that yeah and you know how do you self-examine yeah I mean I would say like for me I never created art with an agenda like I never did throughout even my whole entire career when I was rhyming I never wrote for other people but I think in the sharing of art I wanted validation mm And I think it's only recently that I've stopped giving a fuck. Mm. And that does not mean that I don't mm, feel good when it works and feel bad when it doesn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But I do not validate myself from anything external. I really, it's, it's been a conscious choice and I just don't do it anymore. Mm. 
um, it's boring to be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think I did in various degrees over the years and, uh, it was a real detriment mm-hmm. and I, you can use that validation as a crutch. Yeah. When really it should just be about fully expressing who you are, mm-hmm. you know, like basically like we're to be alive. We're in a race against like at the lowest 40 million other sperm <laughs> to 160 million sperm. Like wow. to be alive, like that's yeah. what you went through to be here right now. And yet we have like the nerve to walk around like thinking we're mistakes somehow. Mm. We're fucking miracles, man. <laughs> you know, so yeah, from my perspective, like why, why as a miracle do you need to be validated by anything external? Mm. It's boring. It's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Damn. Yeah, no, that's for real. For real. But, you know, on the on the flip side, it's it's easy to get caught up in other things. And in our world of social media, our world of so much noise coming in and and trying to create in a world, you know, then you have the whole like need to the passion to create. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the need to pay rent, pay sure. your bills. Yeah. And there's a I yeah, I and this isn't necessarily I don't know where necessarily going if there, I don't know if there's an answer for this, but where is that line between being able to create something that's sellable mm-hmm. so that you can make the commerce so that you can make your art? I don't know. Like, you know, you, you can have art and you can have commerce in the same space. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just have art <laughs> <laughs> or you can just have commerce <laughs> that's parading around as art. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I want to have art and commerce. And for a long time, I was just making art that was making no commerce. But uh, I just kept trusting that ultimately it would turn the corner. And it it certainly did. Um, And then I think you have to partner up with people that do things better than you do. Like business has never been my strong suit or something that I've really been that interested in. Yeah. I learned it out of necessity. Um. But ultimately, you know, I think I worked on my art long enough where I could attract uh, really great people and business around me to help with the logistical aspect of like putting things together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really positive too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause now you're in a space where you're, you know, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Like, you know, we were talking earlier about how you can just go in and you're only taking gigs where you can do the art that you want, you can perform the art that you want. Yeah. You know, so how did you get to that point to where you weren't, you know, where you were, people are paying you to do whatever you want to do versus having to kind of, I don't want to say maybe compromise to make the money to be able to do the other stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's just one step at a time. Yeah. It's literally just one step in front of the other. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm in a different place. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I mean, also it's where people see you, you know, it's like where people see your art is a big deal mm-hmm. in terms of how they categorize how much value it has, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it, they are telling you what your art, you, you can say that your art has X amount of value, but unless someone says, yes, it does, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Then does it? Well, the thing is, is like, I don't know the answer to that. What came first, the chicken or the egg? But like, I think where people see it, you know, can change how they perceive it. But ultimately still, like my value comes from the inside out. Mm. Like nobody can, can put a price tag on, on what I do. I feel like only I can. Absolutely. So where now your value comes from the inside out. I think that's a huge thing for people to take away because so many people are looking for validation externally, where would you say, where did that come from, from you? I mean, where did you realize that your validation needs to come from within? Well, I actually think if I was to back up in the conversation, I don't even know. It's not even value that I was saying right now. It's added value in terms of the money part of things Mm. because like anything external is added value, but it's not your value your value has to come from your next breath. Mm. Um, And by the way, I'm not saying that like, I don't have other voices in my head. Like 
that say different things. Yeah. I absolutely do all of the time. Mm -hmm. And I just like discuss with those voices what's going on. It's like <laughs> they, they are always going to have a seat at the table in the boardroom, but I'm running the fucking meeting. <laughs> you know, it's like when you're in a relationship with somebody, you know, you always hear like, yeah, like you can't like change anyone. Mm -hmm. You can't change anyone. All you can do is basically like lead by example and then give them room to grow. Mm. And a relationship with anybody is like a relationship with yourself. So I think oftentimes people are like trying to change the voices in their head. They want to change. They want to be something different. Mm. And you can't. You can't change yourself. All you can do is lead by example and give yourself room to grow. So you have to like unconditionally love all the different voices in your head and then move into the vision that you're trying to create in the world. And so for me, I just made a conscious decision not to validate myself on anything that's external mm. because I think it's just like, yeah, it's just detrimental to my own growth and it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time and energy. It's like a black hole of time and energy. It goes nowhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it, and it just becomes a bigger need. Yeah. The yeah, more, exactly. The more you feed it. Totally. It's unsustainable. It's unsustainable and it's never fulfilled. It's a, it's one drop in a bottomless bucket. <laughs> Absolutely. So what would you say to somebody struggling with something like this? Uh, just love yourself more and then focus on being a, a better version of yourself, not mm -hmm. from change, but from growth, you know, like, or if you're in a relationship with someone and, and something's not going well, I'm always using metaphors cause it's hard for me to like explain it in a succinct way. But like if something's not going well in a relationship and you're at an impasse and you don't know how to move forward, but you still want to be in the relationship, the best thing to do is to focus on yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, eat better, like meditate more, like say nice things to yourself, like go do things that are fun, hang out with inspiring people, like read a good book, you know, mm -hmm. uh, mm, create something, yeah. you know, uh, work out, whatever. Yeah. Like, and I think then, you do that and then all of a sudden like the mirror kind of gets more cleaned up mm -hmm. and you come back to that relationship and suddenly like it's easier to connect and maybe easier to be vulnerable and intimate and to work out those things that seemingly were insurmountable before. So yeah, it's just the same thing in dealing with a relationship with yourself. If something's insurmountable within yourself, yeah, you just focus on uh, being a better version of who you are and fulfilling your potential more. And all of a sudden, everything will start to flow more easily. Absolutely. I think that's really like life in general is either like being in the flow or trying to find a way gracefully to get back there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even for myself, the last few years has been a journey to really become the better version of myself. How have you done it? I mean, I did, I did this, you know, emotional intelligence leadership training, mm -hmm. um, actually with Lewis out in LA, Cool. you know, and that kind of just shifted a whole perspective in my mind, um, in terms of the way that I see the world. I think I did that same one. Oh, did you? Yeah. Which one is it? Is it MITT? I did that. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was great. Right. It, it changes the way that you see things. Yeah. It was hard as shit. It wasn't fun, but <laughs> no, but ultimately it was beneficial. Yeah. It was like, and it's like a pressure cooker of to really learn about yourself. Yeah. How did you, I mean, how did you shift your perspective from what are some of the main takeaways that you had? I think for me, like really seeing life in possibility, infinite mm -hmm. possibilities versus limitation. And I, I realized like how much we create our own uh, limiting beliefs based off of our past experiences right. that keep us making decisions that limit our possibility versus making decisions that live in possibility. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest thing for me. What about you? Mm. I don't know. I don't know that I had one specific takeaway. I, I like what you said right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you know, I actually, I, I got in an argument with the, the guy who was running the course and I almost got kicked out. It was a really, oh. really interesting, <laughs> it was a really interesting experience. And, um, ultimately, yeah, I think I got a lot out of it. <laughs> I think I got a lot out of it. 
That's good. Yeah. That's it was, it was, so we were like yelling at each other. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It apparently came to that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I did have a realization. I'll tell you what my realization mm. was. He told me that I was being defensive. Mm. And, uh, I realized in that moment that even though I was right and I was right, <laughs> what is right or wrong? Right. Doesn't matter. And what he was saying about me being defensive was bigger than me being right. Mm. And that's what shifted me in that moment. Mm. I didn't need to be right anymore. Absolutely. And then that allowed me to go, well, where in my life is defensiveness blocking me in any way? Mm. And I found a few places and then I was like, well, then maybe I can step into that in a different way and that will help me grow. And that's the whole point is like, you know, why does anybody do a conference like that? I don't mm -hmm. even know. Would you call it a conference or? Yeah, it's a training conference. It's a training. Yeah. yeah. Why would anybody do that? I mean, it's like, well, you, you want to like actually like step into uh, a different version of, of your potential. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times in life we think like growing up in general means we stop learning like that's like a normal thing that i think society like imposes on us like yeah. you have to be an adult and by an adult you have to like walk around like you have everything figured out and you know this shit like you're <laughs> cool like i go to work and i do this and then i come home and i have my fan and it's like we're always learning like yeah. we should be learning until the day that we die um and i don't want to passively learn i want to proactively learn so yeah. i'm always like seeking out different things like that or people that will help spark me mm -hmm. in, into my next stage of life. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like when you stop learning is when you die. Right. Exactly. I mean, I can imagine a life where you just like do the same thing every day and not progress and grow and further your soul. Yeah. But a lot of people do. And, and a lot of people are scared mm -hmm. to not know, you mm -hmm. know, their, their whole life is based around knowing. Um, even people who do art, there's a lot of people who do art and maybe art is one section, but anything like a lot of people become really great at something mm -hmm. and then they just keep doing the thing that they're great at because it feels good, mm -hmm. you know, but like, I want to do shit that I'm horrible at. And the more that I do stuff that's like outside of my comfort zone, the better my poetry gets. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would just. I would say to anybody out there, you know, if, uh, if you want to create some movement in your life, do something that's new, mm, that's you know, great. become a kid again and you know, the momentum will pick up. Absolutely. That's funny. I just was doing a, I do a mini podcast and we were, I was recording it earlier and we were talking about the idea. I was talking about the idea of evolve or evaporate. Mm, that's um, great. Because if you, if you're not evolving as an artist, you're going to evaporate. You're going to become irrelevant or you might keep doing the same thing that you've been doing and not grow or, you you know, but I think the idea the people that have like the, the artists that have like had longevity are the ones that evolve through time and they do new things. Yeah. Agreed. Quite fascinating. I mean, you look at a lot of the, uh, big artists, you know, whatever you two, Madonna, even Usher, you know, they've, yeah recreated created new things that are relevant but still within their dna sure yeah and i also think that the, if you want to talk about art and commerce and the differences a lot of people will start out in art and then the art creates their commerce and then they become afraid of doing art mm. because they're trying to hold on to the commerce which is ridiculous yeah. like i mean that's the difference between you know the old way of thinking and and the new way of thinking and and I think the new economy should be based on, you know, access, not excess, mm. but like we're continuously like mm, convinced on conscious and unconscious levels to get more, you know, mm -hmm. which goes back to the value thing. Just get more, just get more. Everything in media is basically like buy this or you don't deserve love. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like what yeah. they're doing. Like, over and over and over again. So then people wind up holding on to even the good things that they create in their mm. life, like success mm. or like art. They wind up becoming married to like this image of themselves because this is what has brought them that success. But so what? We're always going to grow. 
Yeah. You know, and I would rather satisfy my soul than uh, continue to like, I don't know, recreate the same etcher sketch for somebody else. Absolutely. You know, even if it was making me a bunch of money. Yeah. 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 And I, for myself, I'm like looking at, I'm, I'm enjoying like making my own stuff more than I, you know, obviously making, doing stuff that's paid. Yeah. And it's, it's more fulfilling. Yeah. There's a, there, there can be like an inspiration within an assignment, but there's still a difference between inspiration and assignment. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, so. Yeah. You're writing for somebody else's brand or you're doing something for somebody else's it's brand. Yeah. If you feel aligned, then you can put your heart and soul into it, but it still doesn't come from the purest place. It comes from an idea first. Yeah. Like, so it's like your mind starts it and then your heart and your soul follows rather than like your soul starts it and then your heart and your mind follows, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Let's jump back a little bit. I love what you said about access versus excess. And I'd love for you to explain that idea a little bit deeper. Yeah. I just think like, uh, capitalism has to drastically shift. Um, and I think that the priority system is, is all off. I don't mm. think that there's a problem with growth. I think it's how we grow. Mm. Um, and mm, I think sense. that, well, I, th- I just think that the, that success in the new economy needs to be based on living a lifestyle that you're like mm. passionate about yeah. and, and enjoying and connecting and having community and, um, mm, yeah, definitely like money is a part of that. There's, you know, there's no reason to demonize money or there's no reason to demonize success. I want abundance in my life like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's no reason to have more at the expense of other people. Like I think the income inequality uh, in this country is crazy and around the world. It's, mm. it's really crazy. And as the world connects through the Internet and we realize that we're really a global community, Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope that that will start to shift more and more. Um, yeah. And, and so I think it has to be about access and not excess. That's what success should be about mm. these days. Uh, and, and trying to create uh, an environment where everybody has the opportunity to have access, mm. you know? I mean, it's crazy to me that like, we don't have like mm, an enormous amount of tax brackets in this country. Yeah. Like I heard Bill Maher talk about this the other day. Like somebody makes $250,000 a year. Somebody makes a million, somebody who makes 10 million, somebody who makes, you know, a half a billion dollars a year paying the same tax bracket. It's crazy. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, um, yeah, that's me. And we could go off on politics if we wanted to, but, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just saying like the, the whole mentality has to change. Right now, it's basically like, you know, um, mm, profit first. Yeah. And then it's people and then it's the planet. And it really should be, you know, mm, the planet first and then people and then profit. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's funny how, um, you know, capital, there's like the whole downside of capitalism, but then there's the upside of being able to make a living doing what you love as well that you can't in other areas of the world. Yeah. I'm not against capitalism at all. I'm I'm pro capitalism. I'm just pro conscious capitalism. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's the, the idea is it's, it's funny that, I mean, I lived in Paris for half a year and I realized like how difficult it is to do anything there. Right. Yeah. You know, anything that has that's logistical or has to do with making money and it just really made me appreciate being here. Yeah. No, I hear that. I was talking to a friend the other day and he was saying that he was in a conversation with a woman. She was basically like they were interviewing each other. Mm -hmm. She was going to hire him for a very high up position. And he was kind of interviewing her to decide whether or not he wanted to take this position. Mm. And so he basically like asked her like what her value system is. (laughs) He was like, what's your value system? He said that he could tell that she was uncomfortable answering the question so she like thought about it for a second and then she was like well I just really want this company to win Hmm. like I'm just like a killer and I'm just gonna go out there and I'm just gonna make this company win yeah and you know 
that's like not a value system. <laughs> it's like, that's just basically like growth for the sake of growth. Yeah. And like I was saying before, it's not only about growth. It's about how you grow. And the mm. only way to know how to grow is to know who you are. That's why a lot of companies are talking about authenticity over and over again, but you can't be authentic unless you know who you are and you can't know who you are unless you know what your higher purpose is. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that that's starting to shift now. Yeah. How does one dive into what the finding out what their higher purpose is? The, the same process that I went through for branding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really like, yeah. you know, I, I would, I would put myself in that same category. I mean, there's a lot of companies out there that are very successful, but they've never actually like figured out why they're doing what they're doing. It's like mm. that Simon Sinek book. Um, and it's equally as important for them as it is for me or any other artist or any other human being on the planet to figure out like what their purpose is and mm. why they're here, you know? Absolutely. And what they want to contribute and what they want to get back, you know? Mm. And what are the parameters for that? Mm. Um, yeah. And, and where does their integrity lie within that? Yeah. You know, as things start to shift too, like people are going to be able to vote more and more with their dollars. And, you know, I heard another friend, he was talking about basically you could tell uh, who was running the world over the history of the world based mm. on what the biggest buildings were. <laughs> and so at a certain point it was uh, religious yeah, they were the biggest buildings, and then it's governmental. You know, they were the biggest buildings, and now it's brands. Mm. And in many ways, brands really are running the world, but yeah. the people run the brands. Mm -hmm. You know, like how we decide to interact with them, and now that we all have our own platforms through social media, and we all have our own voice. Mm -hmm. You know, like the internet is going to drastically change things, and like you know, right now we're at an adolescent stage of it. And so people are just like taking pictures of their breakfast, which is like not art unless you're a chef. <laughs> uh, like, or I don't know, I'm judging people, but whatever. I'm just talking shit. <laughs> anyway, my point is, is that like, right. eventually we're going to have to start to think about what the fuck we're saying actually. Yeah. And you know, when I look back on that branding process for me, I had written all of this material o over all of those years and it was really true to me but I had no real parameters for why I was creating it. Mm. And so I was kind of looking for a light switch in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. Hear that. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating process. It is. Yeah. Fascinating. But process. worth it. Absolutely. The journey is always, I mean, the, yeah, like the, the journey is like, is the destination. Right. Exactly. And I feel like when you're always learning, you're always learning new things and you're progressing. And totally. You know, it, it sometimes it's for me. It's taken a long time to like really realize that, like, I bounce back and forth of like, you want the destination, I want the destination, but then being okay and 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 happy and and passionate about the journey. Well, the destination is death. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? So yeah, it's like I'm I'm chill to wait. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm good. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Yeah. So all right, let's jump in. I'd love to hear. You know. One of your favorite poems that you've written. Mm, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then we can chat about it after. Okay. My favorite poem is always my next poem, but I'll, I'll oh. do a poem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would be one that you would you could uh, give us now? I want to buy a house where I can make memories in every room. Plant a garden in my backyard and watch the flowers bloom. It will be big, but not so big that one would get lost. It will be nice, but not so nice that everybody whispers what it costs. It will have gorgeous views, but being higher doesn't mean superior. I've learned not to judge a house by what's on the exterior. It's what's on the interior. And I don't mean design. Because a house is not a home unless the people are aligned. I used to want a mansion because I thought that'd bring me joy. I went and bought a lot of stuff that I had no time to enjoy. I was working for a living, but it wasn't working because I wasn't living. And a life without living is unfulfilling, filling up the empty space with all the things that I was getting, yet I could never get enough or give enough to be enough. And that was constantly upsetting. 
Value is a funny thing. Is it something that you own? Or is it something that you bring? Experience is priceless, and that doesn't cost a thing. Because once you make your mind up, you can accomplish anything, even if it seems impossible. Impossible is possible. We take for granted that defying gravity is illogical. Intend what you desire, and your will will be unstoppable. You could buy an island with a climate that is tropical or fly a helicopter off the coast of the Galapagos while eating avocado toast. These aren't jokes. Even if I was flat broke, I wouldn't fuck with hope. Because hope is like despair in disguise. So instead, I decide. Then I watch as my reality realigns. After all, what is time if it's different in a different place? We're all in one place, floating out in outer space. They'll never bottle time. You can't buy anymore. And if you could, it'd be sold out at every corner store. So lately, I've been thinking, what if less is really more? If our mortality is what we're really living for. I want to slide in socks across Italian marble floor. I want imported art to fill up every corridor. I want my kids to use my bed like it's their trampoline, to walk on top of my couch like it's their balance beam. I want to use my things so they aren't using me. After all, the most important things in life are free. We only borrow land. We only borrow time. We only borrow love, but you can borrow mine. Mi casa, su casa, stay over anytime. If you're a friend, you'll have a permanent vacancy sign. Community is what our culture is lacking. We pretend that we're connected, but mostly it's just unscripted acting. We isolate ourselves and hide from our emotions, then pack our schedules as an excuse to stay in motion. We're living by the beach, and yet we never see the ocean, because it's always out of reach in the midst of the commotion. God forbid we'd have to sit alone without distraction. It's hard to notice thoughts when you're constantly in action. No matter what your status is, that isn't satisfaction. So I don't care what you do as long as you do it with passion. That's why we all should share our gifts and cultivate compassion. Because the fastest way to bliss is through meaningful interaction. And since I'm not even sure that we exist, I've started asking if this world of form is merely the illusion of attachment. If I could let it all go, my roof would be the stars. My floor would be the earth. My door would be a jar. My walls would be the wind. My seat would be a stone. My bed would be the clouds and my heart would be my home. But since I have a family and I don't live this life alone, I want to buy a house where I can make memories in every room. Dude, so good. Thanks, man. So good. So good. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. There's so many things that I love about it. it's like the richness of it's like where where is your light? What's what inspired this 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 poem? I was just in a conversation with a friend and, and we were talking and I don't even remember what it was about, but I was like, Yeah, man, I just want to buy a house where I can make memories in every room. And that was it. <laughs> and then I wrote it down because it like moved me. Yeah. That's all I do, man, is I pay attention to like what I say in conversations and then what other people say in conversations. And then like the things that I read and like, you know, I don't, first of all, art is plagiarism <laughs> period. <laughs> you know, I don't think that I've created anything. Right. You know, I think actually it just kind of like comes through me or I pay attention to the world around me and then I incorporate it. So I consider myself a sponge and I consider myself like, like an opportunity to like just push out those ideas. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes I'll be in a conversation and somebody else will say something and I'll be like, can I steal that? And I write it down because it's equally as true. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then it, it just kind of writes itself as long as I give it room and space. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. How, what's your, what's your writing process like when you actually sit down, you know, you grab the idea and then you sit down to write, you know, a full piece. Is it, is it a, a long drawn process? You just get a bunch of stuff out and you edit it down. What does that look like? Um, well, 
it's always different, mm-hmm. you know? So it's hard to like mm, summarize, I guess. Mm. But, you know, the one that I just wrote uh, that I did for you before the podcast started. Yeah. Uh, that came out in like two hours. Wow. So it was like very fast. And then this one probably took two months, but I don't work on it all the time. I actually only work on it when I'm inspired. Mm. So like I was inspired initially and then I waited until I was inspired again and I had some time and then I worked on it for like probably an hour and a half and then I put it down for a week and then picked it back up again. And and then, you know, I don't know how much, you know, the actual time is on it, like how many hours I actually put in. Yeah. But ultimately, like sometimes I'll get stuck in a poem and I'll actually think that I just have to go out and live a little bit more to know mm. what I want to say next. Wow. So I'm pretty patient with myself yeah. and with the piece. And I, I don't get concerned about writer's block anymore. It's not something that bothers me. I just wait. Wait for the inspiration to come. Yeah, it always comes. That's great. So I love what you said about go out and live a little more. And I think that's something that's huge in art is to live so that your living inspires and informs your art. Totally. Like, I think that's where even, I don't know if you've seen my, create your moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been my hashtag that I've been using and the whole idea behind going out and creating your life and creating the moments that happen in your life so that, you know, you create the space for serendipity Mm -hmm. and the space for things to happen to become serendipitous. But I think living your life and creating that experience helps you to create your art. Yeah. And you're not uh, waiting for something to happen to you. Yeah. You're happening to life. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So many people just sit around and wait for life to happen to them. Yeah. And then, you know, you can do it retroactively too. Mm -hmm. You can just assume that you chose everything that you've experienced. So nothing has ever happened to you which is a pretty powerful way of thinking. <laughs> you've happened to everything that you've ever experienced. True. Then even if it's bad, you can like be like, I chose that. Well, why did I choose that? Yeah. Cause I wanted to learn something. Mm. You know, wanted to learn something. That's a, <laughs> I chose to learn. I chose to do that so I could learn something. That's interesting. Yeah. I always think that anytime some shit is happening, I'm like, okay, I chose this. <laughs> like this is an opportunity for emotional maturity, <laughs> you know, and how can I just focus on, you know, becoming a better person based on this thing Absolutely. that I've chosen. Absolutely. So looking back, what would be one thing that you would teach your younger self? Mm. Wow. I was fucking crazy when I was younger, man. So... I don't know. (laughs) I don't think that I could, it it would take like a whole nother podcast, (laughs) but that was necessary too. You know, that was necessary for me. So, um, I think maybe just faith, you know, Mm. I don't mean religious faith, you know, faith is just like holding on to empty space, Mm. you know, a lot of times we like, we try to like fill up the empty space with like a bunch of things or mm-hmm. distractions. And um, in doing that, we uh, stop the infinite possibilities, mm. you know? So it's hard to hold on to empty space. Yeah. But uh, it's beautiful because then if you hold on to that space and then you create your vision and then you just, I'm patient, just patient, yeah. uh, you know, the flow will, will show you where you're supposed to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's one last question that I love to ask all my guests. And what is, what does live inspiration mean to you? Mm. I think like listening to the whispers of your soul. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I like that. Just gonna leave it there. <laughs> I could try to expand, but that felt pretty. No, that was no need to expand. Yeah, that, that felt, was beautiful. That felt pretty right for me. So I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. I, I acknowledge you for the difference that you're making in this world. It's beautiful, and I, I acknowledge the thought and the the uh, the consciousness that you're putting out there. Thank you, man. You too, and I really, really appreciate you having me. 
Thanks. Appreciate you coming on. Um, and where can people check you out on the internet and hear more of you and, and your wisdoms? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram and all the other social medias at, uh, I N Q life. So it's in Q life in Q short for in question. Mm. So I N Q life. And then you can also go on the website at I N dash Q.com. And we got a bunch of shit on there and yeah. Holler at me. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. All right. Peace. Peace. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Shop Talk Radio with NQ. I am your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love it if you could help us out by leaving us a good review over on iTunes, tweeting the episode, or posting on Facebook. Don't forget to check out NQ's videos over on his website, which we'll link up in the show notes. And with that, go out, create something great, and we'll see you next time. 